Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show on this Tuesday. Bill Ryder with you from beautiful Los Angeles, California, Southern California. Tommy's in New York, but we are on the air coast to coast. We appreciate you listening. Thank you for being here. What's up? We have a lot of stuff to get to. Fun little Tuesday lined up, too. A lot of things to watch tonight. Before we get to some football, I was doing the math just about three weeks from now, coming up on that, we're going to have a little opening uh, opening night in the NFL. Let's do this. Let's go. Tonight, though, Hard Knocks, Episode 2, also known as the Great Redemption for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know T-Cells. Are you booing? Uh, yes, that was me booing off mic, yes. You don't want to watch Hard Knocks. I don't want to watch everyone phone over Aaron Rodgers again and again and again. He's not the bristler for nothing, folks. The best bristler in the business, to quote Major League. Uh, Also, soccer! We've got a little messy action tonight, Tom, and I know you're going to watch. You're going to be drawn in. Soccer! Soccer! Inter-Miami playing Philadelphia and some kind of Leagues Cup thing that I don't understand, but I want to watch because I'm into messy. Get me a pink shirt with a collar for the first time in my life. Let's go. Uh, Phone number. Here on the show, 855-212-4CBS. Twitter, for me, sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. And if you're looking for a little insight into James Harden, that situation, what's going on, I would offer, just as a master of the obvious, not to turn to Kyrie Irving. In fact, I wrote a column yesterday for CBS Sports. Dot com that I just put back out there on the Twitter machine. We'll give you some of those insights in 30 or 40 minutes. If you want the full version, Sports Rider, Sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. Tom's on there at DCLCBS. Um, I love movies. The Blind Side is a sports movie. You would think I would love it. Never been so happy in my life to have missed a seminal sports film. And we'll tell you why. This, this story's a bummer. In about 20 minutes. I mean, this is like, if this thing can be a lie, what are you supposed to believe these days? Man. Man. Um, Tom has got a story about his marriage that he told me that I find very amusing. We'll get into that. And it connects to Kyle Shanahan saying something kind of weird, I think, a little over the top. What is he listening to this show? About Brock Purdy. So we'll get into those things later on this hour. I mentioned. James Harden's great defender, Kyrie Irving. Man, just, there. have you ever, like, remember in high school or if the office and you're having a conversation with somebody or maybe an argument at the water cooler and then some third colleague walks over and defends you and that's when you turn to the original person and say, I apologize, I was wrong. If this guy's with me, I'm out. That's kind of Kyrie Irving. You don't want Kyrie sticking up for you. But he did for James Harden. Ross Tucker is going to be on the show. Former longtime NFL player, NFL analyst, friend of the program. We'll talk... Some football with him. We've got a really robust buy or sell. We'll hit some other things. And Tom's got his Chicago trip around the corner, which is really exciting. So if you want to inundate him with suggestions, things he should do, his plan is just to stay in his hotel room, apparently. So at D-Cell CBS, 
or you can hit me up and I'll pass it on. Sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. We've talked a lot on the show about the running back position and the frustrations we have seen from some big names, and not just big names because these can be separate, some successful, very successful guys at that position coming off very good seasons last year who find themselves not as valued as they would like to be and various degrees of holding out and or unemployed. But but there aren't teams beating down doors, or at least there have not been, to get to Dalvin Cook or Zeke or even Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs, who are with their respective teams, aren't in the warm, comforting bosom of support, hope, and love from their organizations. Running backs don't feel like they get paid what they deserve, and that's because they don't, because life isn't fair. And today is a day of, of some reality crashing down for running backs, and it's what we told you was going to happen all along. Running backs, like most employees, like most of us, are going to buckle because they want to play and they want to get paid, and they're not going to get the deals that they desire. And, and there's a few examples that have come down since we went off the air yesterday. Dalvin Cook is, what, 28 years old, obviously a very talented guy, longtime Viking. They weren't interested in retaining his services, and you would imagine that when he moved on, when he went to free agency this summer, when he was no longer there, that he believed he would get a pretty robust deal somewhere, that somebody would be interested. I mean, the guy's, what, a four-time, four years in a row pro bowler who's been really effective and what he ends up with is the Jets. And if you just read the headline, Dalvin Cook signs with Jets, you think everybody wins. And we'll get to see some of this on Hard Knocks, right? He goes to a team that's going to be competitive. I have gotten carried away in the, the, the stream, the current of optimism that always happens when I watch Hard Knocks. Brady Pinkett tried to tell me yesterday to slow my, slow my roll, that maybe the Jets will make the playoffs, and that's a goal. But there's certainly flash. There's certainly an interest. Obviously, we know who the quarterback of that team is, and you would think it's an interesting place to be. But Dalvin Cook's getting a one-year deal at $8.6 million, according to Adam Schefter. That is not a robust amount of money. That is not what you're supposed to get paid if you are a, what do you think, Tom? Top five running back in the game last year easily? Josh Jacobs had more rushing yards because Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing yards. But he's not an example to look at if you're Dalvin Cook or other running backs for what can happen if you really work hard and get to the top of the mountain because Josh Jacobs is still in a holdout against a Raiders team that franchised him. You know, part of the contract, part of the agreement that the owners and the Players Association have with each other because he's not going to get paid what he wants. And on the same day that Dalvin Cook settles, reality comes crashing down, settles for a one-year deal with the Jets team, by the way, who's number one running back, tore his ACL and his meniscus, what, midway through, a little earlier that last year, who's expected to be back for week one, he's somewhat of a backup plan, Dalvin Cook, and somewhat of a, hey, let's see if you can win the, win the opportunity to have a whole lot of carries. We'll see. On the same day that happened, Ezekiel Elliott signs another settle-for-it deal, even smaller, with the New England Patriots. This one's $3 million base salary. He does get a $1 million signing bonus. But remember, Zeke is a guy who not that long ago, 2019, Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Signed a five-year, 200-and-some-million-dollar deal. Massive, massive deal. Not guaranteed. Guaranteed through 2022. Cut, let go, 
because that position isn't valued the way that it used to be, and the philosophy that works is you use guys and you move on. Six-year extension, excuse me, $90 million, 50 of it was guaranteed, excuse me. And now he's a Patriot. And again, interesting fit. We know that New England is desperate for offense. Last I checked, Zeke does not double as an offensive coordinator, so that wouldn't have helped him last year. But this year they're going to revert back Bill Belichick to the system in which you actually let somebody call plays and work with the offense. What a novel concept that is. Mac Jones is in need of, I think a reboot is a little unfair, but he didn't take quite the step forward last year that we thought he would from his first year, that the Patriots hoped he would. Again, because they didn't put him in a position to succeed by not having an offensive coordinator. I think I'm making that up. I'm not. So on paper, it's like, okay, Zeke, interesting, seven years with Dallas, obviously was dynamic. He also is 28 years old. This is the age, guys. This is the age where this starts to happen, and this is great. This is great for everybody, only it's not great for everybody. This is really good for New England. It's very low cost. It's a very small gamble. This is having to settle if you're Ezekiel Elliott. You have to settle. I mean, you had to line up behind Dalvin Cook on the once really talented free agency running back list, and and Dalvin Cook is still very talented. Jonathan Taylor, news yesterday, that again, like uh, on the surface of it, it feels like the running backs are getting what they want, but they're not. They're just having to understand and acquiesce. Now, the Jonathan Taylor news is a little more complex. The headline is he returned to Colts camp. He is still on the pup list. He is still rehabbing. And in the nuance of this thing, in the details of this thing, is the accusation leak, whatever you want it to be, smearing of his reputation is what Jonathan Taylor would call it from the Colts, wherever it's coming from, that he hurt himself in a way that was outside of the purview of his contract in the offseason, and therefore the threat being the implication, maybe he's not entitled to whatever money he wants. In his, he's in his final year of his deal. It's his fourth year, second-round pick. He is not holding out. He's just really frustrated because he wants a whole bunch of money like all of these guys. And obviously, Jonathan Taylor is the offense in Indy. The problem is, even with him, and he's 24 and he's talented, they're a four- or, or five-win team. Played 11 games last year before that ankle injury, and he's a stud over the course of his career, which, you know, they've also got Anthony Richardson, who they drafted four or five overall, four, four. And i got to stop doing this off the top of my head and proving how smart I am. They drafted him 11, not drafted him four, right? Or they drafted him four. And having a running back there as a security blanket, especially of the quality of Jonathan Taylor, makes sense. But again, we don't know what's going to happen when he is healthy, when Jonathan Taylor has fully rehabbed himself and he gets back out there. Presumably he will play. There's a lot of frustrations. And I mentioned Josh Jacobs, who still hasn't shown up for camp with the Raiders. Another team like the Colts. I mean, the two best running backs, I think, in this group are Josh Jacobs and, and Jonathan Taylor. Dalvin Cook would argue with that, but that's the reality. Those are two running backs who don't play for teams that have legitimate, optimistic, realistic hopes of being actually competitive in playoff teams this upcoming year. And so the, the idea is, why pay these guys right now? So Josh Jacobs hasn't signed that franchise, which is worth $10.1 million. It's, I think, the, what the top five guys of that position that's average, so it's supposed to be fair, but it's a one-year deal. People don't love it. And it's gotten to the point where it's so frustrating that Marcus Allen... now. This is an old head. This is old school. For those of you who don't remember, Marcus Allen, longtime former running back Raider, like legend, 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 has a quote on Josh Jacobs that I'm going to read you that I think reflects the view of everybody around the NFL who supports or played running back. Here's the quote from Marcus Allen. Quote, I'm just going to say it. 
It's almost like collusion. They decided that the running back position is one that their productivity is only for a short period of time instead of looking at each and every one individually. They've decided as a group that they're not going to pay them. So I understand what running backs are thinking and what they're feeling, so hopefully things get resolved because to me, he, Jacobs, is the heart and soul of the team End quote. Again, Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last year, 1,653 rushing yards. Here's the thing. Is it collusion? Did a bunch of owners get together in a a, a swanky? What's a swanky hotel? The Intercontinental? I think of a hotel that I've never... I got kicked out of the Ritz-Carlton in in, uh, London once. I wanted to show my kids, and they came... I can't can't wear jeans in the Ritz-Carlton. I'm like, okay. It's the politest way someone's ever told me I'm a loser and to get out. So let's say they were in London. I don't know why they'd be in London, but it fits the vibe. Bunch of owners maybe are at the Ritz-Carlton in, uh, in London, walking past sh- schlubs like me with their kids, getting kicked out by doormen during the summertime with gloves on, which was super weird. And they're going into some fancy schmancy room, and they're like, here's what we're going to do. See, we're going we're gonna to collude. And we're not. But it's also equally possible that they have individually largely decided that they just don't want to pay running backs because history has shown those contracts are not going to work out in the long run. And we know year after year one of the excruciatingly difficult aspects of building a successful team in the NFL is trying to manage your cap in a really, really difficult balance and act. There's a reason that Patrick Mahomes is very, very wealthy but took less money than the market suggested and hasn't complained that he's not the highest paid quarterback because he knows literally every dollar or every couple hundred thousand or million is significant in the team that is put around him tom brady did this over the course of his career we'll talk about some some guys including in dallas who got paid over the last few days last 24 hours it matters and so if you don't think running back is that valuable if you do think that you can bring in somebody else and get 70 or 80 percent of the of the value of the output of the production at, at 50 or 40 percent of the cost it's a math equation. I don't know that it's collusion. Either way, it's a distinction without a difference. Maybe in the, they're in that fancy Ritz-Carlton in London figuring out ways to screw running backs, or maybe they've just decided the position doesn't have value. Either way, what we've told you is going to happen, what we've told you is the reality, what we've told you is the factor for running backs in the NFL, despite how good they are, how many group chats they get on together and complain to each other. I mean, I complain about my job all the time, not this one, the other one, because I love it. But like Tom and I complain about jobs all the time, not these jobs, jobs in the past. You probably complain about your job. How much does that help you? When you sit around the office and talk about, you know, Herb, the the sales manager, screwing you on travel, does that help you sell more insurance? Probably not. It's an actual sort of example I pulled from a guy that I know. I don't think his boss's name is Herb. If it is, no real people were using this recreation of this analogy. Any uh, similarities are purely coincidental. It doesn't make a difference. Here's the reality that came crashing down today. Dalvin Cook is very talented. And he had to settle for a one-year deal with a Jets team that already has a number one running back who's going to be returning at some point soon. Ezekiel Elliott does seem a little bit past his day, but it's not like he's 34 years old. He's not. He's got to settle for an even less lucrative, basically half the money, a little more than that than what Cook got, deal with the Patriots. A Patriots team that few expect to be actual Super Bowl contenders. Maybe they push for a surprise playoff spot and they're competitive, but it's not like he went to the Chiefs like, all right, well, it'll be a fun ride. That's not the way that that worked out. Josh Jacobs is still refusing to sign that franchise tender, and Jonathan Taylor just showed up to rehab at a team facility where things are ugly. This is the reality for running backs that ain't going to change. 855-212-4CBS if you want to give us a call. You know what else isn't going to change? Kyle Shanahan's insistence quietly, or maybe not so quietly, that Trey Lance is washed before he ever started. 
Shanahan said something about Brock Purdy that says something about Trey Lance that turns out says something about Tommy and his marriage. And we'll bring it all together next year on CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. He's Bill Ryder, and people can't stop listening. Trey Lance still needs an opportunity. Yes, the video you sent me, you want to take he a... sucks. You want to take a 10-second clip? Yes, he overthrew the receiver by 10, 12 feet. Wasn't even close. It was laughable. Pump the brakes. It's <laughs> August 2nd. That assistant coach basically burst into tears in the clip. The all best part of the clip is the assistant uh, coach. It's all August not- 2nd of his, like, 23rd year on the <laughs> yeah. planet all and his sixth lost. year as a high-end quarterback, and he's missing guys by half a state. All is not lost. It's Ryder Than You with Bill Ryder. Welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you along with Pretty Daddy, the world's biggest and maybe only Trey Lance super fan outside of Mr. Lance's young Mr. Lance's family. A little update there. A little update there. Uh, I'm not making this up. Tom, this is a real quote. You ready? Kyle Shanahan, I believe talking to Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, was waxing poetic. Kyle Shanahan's the coach, by the way, at the Niners. Niners is the team that Trey Lance is on. Okay. I was waxing Kyle Shanahan poetic about Brock Purdy. Not, not, not Trey. Brock Purdy. He's great. He's amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And he was asked what would have to happen for Purdy to lose the starting job. Implicit in that, my friend, is is for Trey Lance to get it. And this is an actual quote from, from the head coach of the Niners. Quote, he would have to melt in practice to lose it. <laughs> That's it. That's the quote. He'll have to physically melt, Tom. He'll have to turn to a handful of dust, to, to, to quote Evil Lenoir. Or at least his book. I don't know if it's a quote. Well, I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right. He deserves that job. That's what happens when you carry a team to the NFC Championship game. It, it's also what happens when your backup quarterback is Trey Lance. And, and you have some trouble admitting when you're wrong. We've talked about this. There's a stubbornness factor. It's fine. It's endearing. It, it takes about a year for it to become endearing. But it's, in, it's endearing <laughs> now. Pull back and, the curtain a little bit. You told me I did. Uh, and you told me this morning, you said to me, you, you volunteered to me that some stubbornness, I think you even said, you know how you say that I'm stubborn. I said, yes. You and the Mrs. D-Cell did not have a, a, a night of harmony last night. Uh, it didn't go as planned last night. We did not We did not have a fun-filled evening yesterday. Okay. So can you can you give us... Because the listener wasn't there earlier when you and I talked on the phone. Yeah, so uh, as as you mentioned yesterday on the show, we are getting ready for the D-Cell Chicago trip. Woo! Now, we are doing three nights, four days. Not that long of a trip. We're going for my wife's cousin's wedding is okay. the real reason that we're going. But we planned an extra couple days to do some sightseeing around Chicago. Neither one of us have been there before. We're taking the little dude. She is responsible for the little dude in terms of packing. And when I say she's responsible, she took that on herself because she is a lot more trustworthy to remember everything that the little dude is going to need for those four days. I am responsible 
for myself. All I need to do is pack the clothes that I need for the rehearsal dinner, the wedding, and whatever I want to wear when we're gallivanting around Chicago. You leave Thursday. We leave Thursday late morning around 1030. All right, got it. I'm coming back Sunday night. I haven't started packing yet. Yeah, this is Monday. Yeah, of course. We leave late Thursday morning. I have not started to pack. My wife has her things and my son's things laid out on the bed. Just need to put it into the luggage, into the suitcases. We can't do that yet, though, because we are going to have, uh, we are going to check one bag, and it's going to have some of my stuff, some of her stuff, some of the little dude's stuff. So she is really pushing for me to start packing so she could put her stuff into said suitcase. You did not tell me it was a one suitcase situation, okay? We're going to have carry-ons and such, but we are checking one bag. I refuse to start packing. I'm not doing it. It's a three-day trip. It's going to take me like 15 minutes. I don't need to start. And by the way, my wife is probably listening right now, and she's probably irate that I'm saying this. Well, was she, how, how'd it go last night? Uh, not well. Not well. She you refused to pack. I refused to pack. Your wife said, I need you to pack, and you said, you said what? Yes, she's been, uh, I won't say the word nagging. I would never say that. My wife has been asking me to start packing for the last few days now. I do a 180. I was going to say you were right. You're wrong. I didn't realize it was a one suitcase situation. It's a one, but like we're going to have carry-on bags as well. Bro. It Can was I get... Monday. We're leaving Thursday. Do you like rhymes? Sure. Happy wife, happy life. Why Why draw battle lines? on? Did you, and, and you guys, as you told me, did not speak last night. Uh, no, no. Th- those were the last words we spoke to each other. You didn't speak this morning. I said goodbye. I made sure I said goodbye. Okay, you're you're a, you're a prince. Um, <laughs> well, she's she's just, she's really just pack. Sleeping. Just pack. It's gonna take me ten minutes max. Then what's the issue? I'm stubborn, Bill. Yeah, it's like this Trey Lance thing. So here's what I wrote down. I don't know that it's entirely accurate. I think you're just wrong now. But I'll, because I didn't know it was a one suitcase situation. You can't tell me that you're packing four days in advance for a three day trip. Dude, I am a master packer. And when I pack our clothes, we get because I travel a lot. So I I do the roll. Do you know the roll approach? Sure, sure. Game changer. Uh, No, I'm not doing it three days out. But if it's one suitcase, by the way, never check it back. Amateur move. You always carry on. Well, with the little dude stuff, we we have so much. Then you're not a master packer. I never claimed to be. I said it's going to take me 10 minutes to pack my stuff. Never check a bag. All right. Here's what I wrote down. Here's the insight I thought I had before I knew I walked some of this bag. I'm with her now. But here is based on my experience with you. You ready? Yes. God, am I your work wife? I quit. Definitely. I get my two weeks notice to spike. (laughs) (laughs) That revelation hurt. She's wrong, but you're wrong so often she can't see it. It's what I wrote down. Oh, good. Oh, good. Right? She she may be wrong, but she's not because I didn't know it was a one-suitcase situation. But Mrs. D-Cell, if you're listening, even if you were wrong here, which I don't think you are anymore, you'd be, it'd be understandable you can't see it because Tom is wrong so often. Not just wrong so often. You're clearly wrong, and you're – people are just now tweeting me on a regular basis like, dude, what's up with this trailer? Like, I like Tom. I like Pretty Daddy, but what's up with – and I try to explain to them, especially those that I that I talk to, that you're, it's not a put on. That you just make up your you make up your mind on the dumbest thing sometimes, and like that's what you've decided forever. <laughs> Thank you. Question mark. Look, I amended it a little bit. It's not yeah. going to work in San Francisco. He needs to move on. They need to move on. It will <laughs> not work. 
It doesn't work in San Francisco. It can't work anywhere. That's the point. That's Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy basically was undefeated until the NFC Championship game. That is largely a Kyle Shanahan creating the perfect environment for a long shot. What was he, seventh rounder? I mean, give me a break, dude. Yeah, he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick in the draft. I'm not ready to say that Trey Lance stinks and that he's always going to stink. I'm not there yet. He hasn't played enough football. Kyle Shanahan's there. This is all because they— Kyle Shanahan's there. I understand it. He's a guru. I'm not disagreeing with you there. This is all because they gave up first three first-round picks to get him. That stigma will never leave him in San Francisco. You don't gamble, so you may not understand this on an emotional level. You will understand it, you think, on an intellectual level. You cannot throw good money after bad. You cannot chase your losses when you have gambled. You cannot decide that you made a mistake, and therefore you'll make more mistakes until you catch up. All that does is get you in a hole. If Trey Lance ain't the guy, despite what they spent, he ain't the guy. The end. So what are they going to do? Just have him rot as the backup or or the third stringer? Like, move on from him. If there's any place where you wouldn't rot, where you could be a late bloomer, where you could blossom another point, it would be under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And I mean, is this year? Th- I can't. Is this year three for Lance? He's going into year three. But really, year two because of injury. Right, and he really only played one full year in college at North Dakota State. Which is obviously not a major program. And I always go back to this, and I know it's kind of an easy out, but Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre. I know it's, circumstances are different. He was a first-round pick. He came out of Cal. I, blah, I got it all. But there's obviously precedent, not always the way that Mahomes sat a year behind Alex Smith. Guys sitting can, in fact, unlock something or improve something. And I'm not saying Trey Lance is going to be either of those guys, but I am saying if, if those guys can sit and be better for it at their level of obvious, remarkable quarterbacking, innate talent, and the ability to translate to the NFL, Mahomes, Rodgers, automatic once they got in, it, it can't hurt Trey Lance. And, and you said if they invested so much, you buy when they're selling, you sell when they're buying – the value on Trey Lance is low. I don't. I think you let him be a backup, and we've also seen. I don't know what what Shanahan did in a previous life, or what you know the owners of the Niners did, karma wise, or whatever's going on. But every year, it feels like nineteen of their quarterbacks get injured, and and they're calling you know whoever the hell they can get on the phone. So I, I think having backups with long term potential and, and just with even if it's ten, the odds that Trey Lance can turn into basically Brock Purdy. If, if, if Purdy gets hurt and the odds that Trey Lance can come in and win 10 out of 11 games is is low. But it's higher than any other backup in the NFL, right? Or, or not even, it's not a lower percentage than if you turn to insert some crappy... Dude, I gotta go back to this. Just go home. The words <laughs> I'm sorry are so powerful. They're so powerful. Say, I'm sorry... Go into your room, take the temp, put on a podcast of this show because I know you like to listen back. Because you've told me when you listen, you you like how you sound like the star of the show, which is amusing. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Listen I've never your, said that yeah, a couple times today. Uh, listen to your star turn and pack that damn bag for your wife. Nobody needs to pack on Monday. When you're leaving on Thursday for a three day trip, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. No, actually, I have a I have a little like correction. The person who does is the person whose wife wants him to. By the way, <laughs> and if she's listening, Mrs. Diesel, I'm sorry. It is ridiculous to pack three days in advance. 
But being married is part, part of that is just accepting the ridiculousness of other people. But hold on, I've met you. She certainly accepts and loves you despite your ridiculousness. I thought you were getting ready to say being part of being married is being ridiculous. That is a we, lot of it, by the way. I've no, you got to accept. I, I've only been married for four years. A lot of it is just ridiculous. Yeah, dude, she puts up with you. You you can't pack one time for ten minutes three days early? Now you're starting to make me feel bad. You should feel bad. Uh, here's another story that'll make you feel bad really quickly. I don't want to take too much time. Um... I don't know if you saw the, the, the news. The Blind Side is a story involving a family that supposedly adopted a homeless teenager who became an NFL star, and it's supposed to be a feel-good movie, and Sandra Bullock stars in it, and the, the guy went on to play a long time in the NFL. I, now, the, I've never seen this, thank God, because apparent, he is suing his what he thought was adopted family, and the allegations are that they tricked him into signing a conservatorship, which is not the same thing as being adopted. They told him that this paperwork, because he was over 18, he alleges, this feel-good family, he alleges tricked him into basically giving control of his financial future to them, and they stole all his money, including millions of dollars, or much of his money from the film, is the, are the allegations. And a conservatorship is what Britney Spears was under, under the free Britney thing. What a... This was like the... And I, have you seen this? I've never seen this movie. So thank God I don't really have an emotional connection to it. I've seen The Blind Side. It came out 2009, I think. So the Long last time ago. The last time I've seen it's got to be over 10 years. So how did it hit you? I liked it. I mean, it's an enjoyable movie. It's a feel-good story, or at least it's a feel-good story on paper, because according to Michael Orr, it's not real. The Tui family did nothing that was portrayed in the movie. I mean, they're a wealthy family from Tennessee, having taken Michael in and what he thought he was adopted. And it turns out that's not the case whatsoever, and they, according to Michael, like, took profits from the movie, and Orr saw none of it. What is wrong? If, if the allegations are true, what is wrong with people? That was probably one of the best feel-good sports stories. Well, not the best movie, but feel-good stories. Now it's a sham. It's a total sham. I mean, it's an allegation. It's hard to see why he would lie about that, and it certainly feels like if they had him sign a conservatorship after 18 and took his money, that is something that's easy to document. It seems like we should get to the bottom of this pretty quickly. What a bummer. I mean, that's as, that's as, uh, that feels as wrong as, as Kyrie Irving coming to your defense, for example. Which is exactly what happened for James Harden. James Harden is put out that he can't have things exactly the way he wants. I've got some reporting insight on that story and a great big flashing sign that Harden is wrong coming up on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Greg Caserta. He's Bill Ryder, and he's always right. You pull a Disa, you do a non-apology apology, right? <laughs> That's the move. Making this guy go out there and everything's fine, and, and the part about John and I have a relationship based on mutual respect. No, you don't. You clearly live in fear of the man and think he's an idiot. It's writer than you on CBS Sports Radio. I, I missed it, but congratulations to Kevin Brown, the Orioles broadcaster, who had been suspended for his comeback. He's getting some praise, Tom. Got some praise for some of his calls. As he should. How do you know? Did you listen to him? Uh, Kevin Brown's a talented dude. How do you know? I've heard his work before. Have you? Is he good? I don't listen to Orioles games. I don't watch a lot of Orioles games on local TV. 
He worked, the he worked for another team, too, I want to say, before he started with Baltimore. Did he? You think friends call him KB? I say he's got one or two friends, sure, that call him KB. Why not? I like KB as a... Ooh, you're TD. Anybody call you touchdown? Yeah, that was a thing in high school for me. People I, called you touchdown. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back. We've gotten to pretty daddy. It's it's evolved to where it always was meant to be. Uh, James Harden is, is, is very frustrated. Obviously, has called Daryl Morey a liar. We discussed this yesterday on the show. What's the old expression, you can judge someone by the company they keep? You can judge their argument by the people who defend it. You ever making an argument on social media or with friends, and then someone who you don't really want to defend you comes to your defense? For example, he's a great guy, great guy, but I don't want Shep defending my NBA takes sometimes, Tom, because his are different than mine. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Shep, who uh, is the executive producer in the evenings here on one of the shows. So, I would feel the same way about one Kyrie Irving, especially when it comes to, I mean, the rank hypocrisy of James Harden is pretty stunning. This is a guy who forced his way out of not one but two teams before trying to force his way out of Philly and then signed his player option, signed, signed his player option in the summer. And now is mad that he's not being traded. Now, what's I think implied here, Tom, maybe is the idea, maybe, and no one's really said this, and I didn't write it yesterday, but why would he be mad and call Daryl Morey a liar? Well, I guess that there's a side deal, which is illegal. You're not allowed to do that in the NBA. If they basically had an agreement because he took less money last year, then we'll give you a bunch of money down the road. But if you're cheating the system and you're a liar, if James Harden and Daryl Morey and the Sixers insist that there's no side deal, but if they agree to a side deal, that is the equivalent, from an analogy perspective, of a criminal complaining when another criminal doesn't tell the truth. You guys are engaged in, a, in conduct that's literally, by definition, not honest, if that's what's going on. I'm not saying it is. So my point is there's no leg for Harden to stand on. If he got lied to as part of a side deal, then therefore Harden was lying to the league. You're not allowed to do that. The Sixers insist that's not the case whatsoever. They push back aggressively on the notion. And... <laughs> Harden has not been willing to live up to you know the contracts he's had, which are literally signed agreements. It's why you have contracts. And bad went to worse in terms of, I think, the way Harden looks in this thing when Kyrie Irving came to his defense, tweeting at Adrian Wojnarowski. This is this is Kyrie. Is he disgruntled, Adrian, or is he holding Daryl Morey accountable for his dishonesty and lack of transparency throughout the contract negotiation process this summer? Well, first of all, there is no contract negotiation process once he pick up, picks up his player option. He's picked up a player option at almost $36 million. Secondly, let me just read you the definition of disgruntled. It can be helpful. You ready? Angry or dissatisfied? I don't know if James Harden's angry. He is certainly dissatisfied. He is the definition of dissatisfied. He has said that Daryl Morey's a liar and he'll never play for his organization again. He is not satisfied with Daryl Morey or the Sixers. So, yeah, he's disgruntled. I don't understand why people can't grasp the meaning of words sometimes when they're. And I'm looking at you, Tom. Just because it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Just because you're all mad. Here are the things that Harden doesn't understand. There's a few things at play here. And I, again, I wrote about this over at CBSForce.com. One, there's not a robust market for his services, not at the price Philly wants in return. If there were a robust market for his services, Harden would not have opted into that deal. He would have been a free agent and gone and gotten those services somewhere else. Remember, he had the freedom to go play wherever the hell he wanted to. He chose the money. You can't have your cake, eat it too, and demand you get paid money that's not there for you. 
I, as I understand it, there were three teams that were interested, sort of had conversations. Hit two. And this is talking to other folks around the NBA, outside of Philly. Harden on his third team that he's forcing his way out of and, and calling Daryl Morey a liar has given some other teams pause. Daryl Morey is the biggest apologist defender of Harden on the face of the earth. I, I like Daryl. But there are certainly reporters out there who would call Daryl Morey over the years and roll their eyes to the point where they'd injure themselves when he would talk about how amazing Harden was. So if Harden's going to say this about his biggest defender and you're another GM, I'm not sure you want to bring him in. Three, these are things Harden doesn't grasp. Philly 100%, and they may buckle because because teams tend to in the face of, of player empowerment. But for the moment, Philly believes that trading Harden for a paltry return is the equivalent of Harden sitting out, which is to say damaging enough that they're not going to be contenders for an NBA championship. But from their view, if you trade him for a Snapple, you can't unring that bell, whereas if you just call his bluff and he's not bluffing and he holds out, he can eventually change his mind and come back because he wants to get paid. Or, conversely, you can get the right price. And fourth, Philly... I don't think Harden understands this, is going to insist that he comes to camp, as I understand it from sources. And if he sits, he sits. Now, talking to, to folks over the course of the summer, certainly it wasn't that long ago, probably in July, when folks in that Philly front office told me, and I'm sure told other reporters, we're going to try to trade James. We know it'll be ugly if we try to make him come to camp. We'll do it if we have to, but we don't want to. There's not a market for this guy's services. He's not as good as he used to be. This dude turns 34 in a couple weeks. He's not that good anymore. He's good, but he's not that good. I'm doing this list, Tom, and I'm really excited about my top 100 list that's due on Thursday for CBSSports.com. And I'm not done with it yet, but Harden's somewhere in like the 30 to 40 range. He's good. He's not as good as he used to be. And Kyrie Irving getting out there and and going at Adrian Wojnarowski for properly describing Harden as disgruntled. He is disgruntled. He's really disgruntled. the chutzpah that it takes for Harden to say that Daryl Morey's a liar. And maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't know what Daryl promised or didn't promise. Maybe he did lie to James Harden. I don't I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. In a business where you sign contracts, in a business where James Harden has routinely not lived up to his contract, he should know better than anyone else because he's wielded this sword that there is no friendship, there is no loyalty, there is no even like, I'll, I'll live to the letter of the law of what I agreed to. It's about leverage and power. Harden used it to get out of Houston. Harden used it to get out of Brooklyn. Harden's trying to use it to get out of Philly. And what he's found is that his power and leverage has diminished. And he's mad. Doesn't make any lie or non-lie significant. Doesn't make Daryl Morey a bad guy. It's not a Sixers issue. It's a, it's a Harden issue. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Harden has routinely not been honest about what he put his name next to on a contract. That's why there are contracts. That's why there are contracts. It's literally a written agreement that stipulates exactly how things are going to work, what the rules are, what the expectations are, all of it. And you and I live in the real world, Tom. Now, you've only worked at CBS Sports Radio, so you probably haven't experienced this. I've worked worked for 11 newspapers. I've worked for three different radio networks and stations. I've worked for two different television entities and... You know, if you include like CBS Evening News and CBS Sports Network and CBS Sports HQ as three separate ones, that would be three different, right? I've worked a lot of places. And I've had a lot of really good people that I've worked with 
and it took me a while to get to places because as you get older, you, you do get a little smarter and you make some, some better decisions. It took me a while to get to a place where I'm treated really well or better. But, but I've worked a place where I've been lied to, especially early in my career. It happens. I've had mentors lie to me. I've had bosses I trusted lie to me. What I didn't have was a contract. And you learn early on, all right, life isn't fair. This, is a, this isn't that. This is James Harden having reneged on multiple agreements he made with other teams and having opted into a deal that is worth more, $36 million for a year with Philly, that he's not worth on the market. Now he's mad that he can't force his way somewhere else? You're the one that opted into the deal. You're the one that picked up your player option. And I already knew I was right. But the moment Kyrie Irving came to his defense, it reaffirmed I'm 100% correct on this. I have no sympathy. Do you? Do you have any? I have zero sympathy for James Harden. I think I got a tiny sliver. What? I think that James Harden is struggling to come to the reality that Daryl Morey is no longer placating James Harden because Harden is no longer the star that he used to be. Daryl Morey's obligation is to Joel Embiid and the 76ers. Joel Embiid is what stirs the drink for Philadelphia. Harden used to do it for Philly. He did it to a certain extent for Brooklyn. He's not that guy anymore. He's not worth the $36 million that he opted into. And Daryl Morey has to be the one to tell James Harden that. And he's, as we can tell, he's told him in so many words, this ain't about you anymore. This is about Embiid. And Harden is struggling with that. And worth noting, I don't know if this stuff matters. I think sometimes it's attention-seeking. But whatever, worth noting, I suppose, that uh, multiple reports, I don't follow this that closely, that that MB, to your point, uh, Mr. DeCelestino, pretty daddy, changed his location on social media from Philadelphia to undisclosed. I mean, it's not disclosed. And that is the concern. That's the worry, is that if things don't go well, it'll be MB forcing his way out a year from now. And if that happens, Daryl Morey's getting fired. I say this all the time. GMs and coaches but GMs especially, but both. They don't operate in the best interest of their organizations. They say they do, they don't. They operate in the best interest of themselves. Now, the Venn diagram is much, the overlap's huge at the start of their tenures, and it shrinks as they get under pressure. It is not in Daryl Morey's best interest to move on from James Harden without the right return. Because if it doesn't go well, and or in connection to that, Joel Embiid wants out, Daryl Morey ain't going to be the GM in two years or a year. The end. Man, Kyrie. Just just go away. Trying to put him on my top 100 list has been really tough, too. That's fun. Let's, uh, let's talk some football. Ross Tucker, our buddy, joins me next here on CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 